Welcome to the Shift Daily Podcast. I'm Shane Hewitt. It's a daily bite-sized morsel of our four-hour middle-of-the-night program. Make sure you subscribe, rate, and review the show and share with anyone you like. Get it on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, and CuriousCast.ca. The Shift Daily Podcast starts right now. Should we do some some Are You Okay's? Yeah? I like it. Yeah, let's do it. All right, let's do it, Eddie. Are you okay with confusing Thanksgiving rules? Like, um, I mean, the only Thanksgiving rules that I know is that, you know, the day after is, you know, sandwich, turkey sandwich day. That's a good rule. Um, you know, there's like, you know, many rules on how you can turn your leftovers into various meals, turkey soup, sandwiches. Turkey pie. Yeah. I like the turkey pie. Like the turkey pie. Um, you know, there's nothing confusing about those rules. Those are pretty no, straightforward. Those are good. Wait, what about the rule about cranberries on your turkey sandwich? <laughs> uh, do you do cranberries uh, and do you do stuffing? I do stuffing. I actually do extra stuffing to make up for the lack of cranberry. All right. Um, Jason Manalis, do you do the cranberries in the sandwich or no? I, I do. I like a lot of flavor in my sandwiches. So I, I, I only put like probably like a teaspoon of cranberry just to get that little sweet in my sandwich but I'm, I'm like matt i put a lot of stuffing a lot of stuffing all right i want to be really stuffed full rate. of stuffing well it sounds like yeah. these thanksgiving rules make a lot of sense um to us i mean it's kind of the, the normal rules of thanksgiving i mean you know uncle bob is going to get drunk and do something weird that's a good thanksgiving rule safe to assume everyone's got uh, an uncle bob there were so many bobs uncle in bob. my family at one point we used to have byob parties it was by bring your own bobs <laughs> um, and everybody had to bring their own Bob to the party. Uh, but Thanksgiving this year um, is a little bit strange. In Ontario, even more confusing, including the Premier being confused about Ontario's restrictions for gatherings. Global's Brianna Carnegie explains how Doug Ford's message changed throughout his daily briefing about Thanksgiving. Premier Doug Ford says the rules are very clear. Ten. Indoors, 25 outdoors. Here's what his family is planning for Thanksgiving. I have a, a big family. I told Carla, I, I said, you know, we have no more than 10, and that's what we're going to obey by. Ford was then repeatedly pressed by reporters as Toronto's recommendation is to limit contact to those within the household. It's not going to be more than 10. They'll be within our household. That's what I've been telling everyone. We have to just stay in our, within our households. It, it's about as clear as anything. Following the briefing, Ford changed course in a tweet. He says Ontarians should, in fact, celebrate Thanksgiving with only members of their household, noting his family will follow the same advice. Brianna Carnegie, Global News. So he has a big family, no more than 10. So does that mean if there's more than 10, he's kicking out some people from his household and saying you're not welcome anymore? Or maybe like what is what is the household? Yeah, it is confusing. Maybe they'll like do it in shifts. Maybe, That's a good idea. Maybe as the uncles get like really in the bag, they'll have to like <laughs> kick them out and get them get them some fresh air and bring some other relatives that are waiting out there in the cold. You know what we could do is instead of having the kids table, because there's always the one adult that has to sit at the kids table and it makes it weird for everybody. Um, how about instead of that, like you said, you know, maybe you do a, a show at 4.30 and the next show is at 7. And the next show is at 
And that way you eliminate the kids table and you, you cycle through the family members, you know, maybe you do three and maybe just three different turkeys. That's a lot of bird. That's a lot of bird to cook. Yeah. And that, and that job usually falls upon like one very stressed out family member. It's true. But these are unprecedented Always. times. Always. And if it means we don't catch COVID and we, we're going to cook three turkeys. And I think that we, um, I think we need to consider that. Anyway, uh, it I've sounds never... like Doug Ford's got an awful lot of family members that he's bringing over, but only his household up to 10, but he doesn't seem to know how many people are in his household. <laughs> Uh, around around these times, I think sometimes you forget about a few family members too. So, yeah. which does uh, beg the question: um, Does he put stuffing on his turkey sandwich? And if it's Doug Ford, I'm putting my money on Yizzer. Maybe it's like a stuffing cheesecake that he'll make. <laughs> stuffing cheesecake, <laughs> something he revolting does. like that. Just he gets, does love that cheesecake. Get though. a cranberry sort of like cheesecake. With some like stuffing in there. I'm thinking out loud, by the way. Cheese turkey cake. Just kind of, you know, sweet, savory, yeah. de- delicious. I try it. With, I would try that. Me too. Yeah. With uh, the cream cheese icing, though, clearly. Yes. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Got to have that. Okay. Uh, are you okay? I think we settled it. The debate about the sandwich really is where we started, and that's what we were trying to do. I think that's been solved. Are you okay? Are you okay with not wearing masks as much as you should? Not wearing those much. Um, yeah, tricky double negative again. Sorry. No. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I think you should wear them as much as you should. Yeah. Right. And then, I'm kind of okay with yeah, somebody saying though. I, uh, you know what? I haven't been good. I haven't been wearing my mask as much as I should. To me, that comes with the the caveat that now that I'm aware of that, I'm willing to wear my mask more often. Yeah. Right? Like if someone's going to cross that threshold going, you know what? I can do a better job. Then I'd say, okay, I'm okay with that. A- absolutely. Like none of us are perfect. I'm sure none of us are wearing them as much as we should. I know I'm We've not. all gotten to the door and gone, oh, my mask. And one of two things is about to happen. We're going to stomp back to the car. Bringing, bringing, bringing masks. Bringing, forgot my bringing. Or we're going to be like, I'm just getting milk. It's going to go one of two ways. Are you okay with not wearing masks as much as you should? Well, here's Rudy Giuliani on Fox News. And I don't wear masks as much as probably I should. And I haven't gotten COVID either. And a lot Mayor, of people. You both. heard Joe Biden there. He says if the scientists say it's okay, <laughs> he is. That I know that you, you know everybody questions the polls, but, but pretty consistently. Oh dear, are you okay? Oh my, are you okay with doing interviews and being public when you're coughing like Rudy Giuliani is after not wearing masks as much as he should? Can we get the clip one more time no. from that perspective? And I don't wear masks as much as probably I should, and I haven't gotten COVID either. And a lot Mayor, of people, you heard Joe Biden there. He says if the scientists say it's okay, <laughs> he is. <laughs> Whew, never mind oh, he man. hasn't gotten covid though he's good <laughs> he's good I mean, but maybe has no been, one else's right has he been tested or like he, well he there was a, like uh, a test there was one article so i have this i do have a hard time with the way that some of these clips get positioned because that clip is from fox news 
and he was clearly coughing. And as you can hear, it's been edited together. So you hear all the coughs together. So he's, but he is on TV and he is coughing. And then another article says that he's waiting for his test results, but he's still doing interviews. But again, I don't, um, I just don't trust what comes out of the American news uh, cycle, right? In regards to that. But the fact of the matter is very simple. Rudy Giuliani is doing interviews and coughing that much. And on our way out, uh, because we've got Dave Scott coming up, let's get the clip one more time here, Maddie. I'm Shane Hewitt. This is The Shift. And I don't wear masks as much as probably I should. And I haven't gotten COVID either. And a lot Mayor, of people. You heard Joe Biden there. He says if the scientists say it's okay, <laughs> he is. <laughs> that Joe I know is that you, you know, everybody questions the polls. But, but- this is The Shift Daily Podcast. And uh, it is time for us to get into conversation that always surprises me. There's no doubt about that. And Dave Scott, Spaced Out Radio, uh, joining us for uh, the conversation. Let's tune in and find out what he's promoing because he's always promoting something. For you, including rocking out to Bumblefoot and reading up on Captain Shirk's SOR Newswire. Follow us on Twitter at Spaced Out Radio and on Instagram there it is. at Spaced Out Radio Show. He's We're going to so hook good. up to Vancouver. Right I'm going to, um, I think I'm going to take some lessons from Dave Scott. I really am. I, I'm, I'm well, going go, subs- to subscribe to the Dave Scott School of how to promo Twitter. So good. Oh, you, hey, you know what? I'm just glad that you're a friend of mine on Twitter. I, I, I was all, feeling all abandoned there, and then I realized that I was the one abandoning you. So I yeah, owe you I've the been following apology. you all along. Dave got smart on Twitter. Yeah. He was like, oh, look who followed. I'm like, dude, I've been following you for weeks and weeks and weeks. I know. <laughs> I, I, I went away sheepishly. How you doing, Shane? I'm good, thank you. We're struggling a little bit here, Dave Scott, because um, it is our Good News Tuesday show. And uh, normally we share good news, but we're struggling because with the passing of Eddie Van Halen, it's it, right. it feels weird talking about good news, but the good news needs to be shared anyway. Um, and we were sharing some Van Halen stories. Um, is did anything come to? It's okay if there isn't. I don't say it with an expectation that there is. But is there any Van Halen story that comes up for Dave Scott, um, whether it's with friends or with uh, you know? I know there's been a lot of father son stories. Um, or musically, or anything like that, that that landed with you uh, through this day today. Okay, I I got two of them, two of them. Okay, number one, I thought I was such a rebel at twelve years old when I bought the nineteen eighty four album. All right, and I went into the music store and I thought the cover was so badass because it had the baby laying on 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 a carpet holding a cigarette, a lit cigarette. And I thought, that, oh, my dad is going to chew me out for this. And so I went home and I hid the album. That's number one. But number two, from a woo side, okay, and, and our listeners know this, yours may not, but the Van Halen song, Love Walks In, on the album 5150, is actually a story about Sammy Hagar's E.T. Contact and the alien woman who had been abducting him for decades. What? Yes. Really? Go and read the lyrics. So okay. go to. I, I challenge all of your listeners who enjoy this segment of your show and all of mine to go on YouTube, type in Love Walks In lyrics, read the lyrics about it, Okay, and then go to the Rolling Stone magazine story about Sammy Hagar's E.T. abduction and contact. Well, I'm doing this now, clearly. All right. All right. It's, it's amazing. It's absolutely amazing. 
So, Matt, did you hear this? You know, Have you I'm, heard this before? Is this new to Matt? Uh, well, Dave told me on the phone, and I, I was quite blown away by it, actually. But yeah, yeah. I'd forgotten about Sammy Hagar's um, otherworldly contacts. Wow. Yes. It's amazing. Really? It's amazing. Huh. Yes. This is so good. Who knew? There, there I didn't she know. stands this is... in a silken gown, silver light shining down. And then you sense a change. Nothing feels the same. All your dreams are strange. Love comes walking in. Some kind of alien uh, what's his, reaches Some for the opening. Some kind of alien or waits for like the that. opening. Yeah, I got it. Some Wait, kind of alien waits for, waits the, for opening, the opening and simply pulls and a simply string. Pulls love comes walking string. in. Yeah. All about his ET contact. Is he? Wait a second. Is he banging around with an alien? Is that what's happened here? God bless him if the Red Rocker did. Okay. <laughs> Oh, man. I had no idea. Zero, never, ever. This is brand new info. Brain. Yeah. Check it out. You're going to be amazed. You'll never hear the song the same again. All right. All right. I like it. All right. Space.radio.com. It's where you can learn more about Dave Scott. And we talk about pretty much anything, uh, clearly, on the program. And um, where are we going today, Dave? Because I know you have a couple of things sort of on your mind. And um, a couple of okay. specific things, and we've got we've got a couple other ideas too. Okay, so remember a number of months ago when I, I started this with Drex because Drex challenged me, and you and I have talked about it since about how I was waiting for Canadian politicians to get a hold of me about UFOs in Canada and Canada's role. Well, last week, late last week, I actually got an email from my own member of parliament, Kathy McLeod. Oh. in the Kamloops-Thompson-Caribou region. And, you know, I, God bless Kathy, okay, but I think she's a little bit out of touch. She tries to give me some information, but then kind of blows me off. And she goes, Dear Dave, thank you for taking the time to share your thoughts with me. The Canadian government hosts a publicly searchable archive of government records about UFOs dating back to the 1950s. She provided a link. And then further, it is my understanding that meteorites and or shooting lights in the sky have been studied by the National Research Council with assistance from the RCMP. In addition, according to the Department of National Defense, sightings of unidentified airborne objects are reported to NAV Canada. So I actually got a lead there, and I'm going to check it out. I'm going to check it out. See what NAV Canada has to say, but that's not what I want, okay? I want to know what is this hidden group that is covering these objects within Canadian airspace? Hmm. Covering, you mean like researching and reporting? Absolutely. Absolutely. Like, for instance, what they have in the United States, it's obviously happening up here. All right. So where do we get our information? Who stores it? NAV Canada, really? You're going to le- allow them to do it on on such a top secret government project? Maybe, maybe it's that simple up here. I don't know, but maybe. we're going to have to do a little bit more research. Okay, I saw a um, I saw a new video that was posted just on an article site, and how do you cut through this? Because there was a video posted, and it was one of, and I don't know the language. I I do come to this conversation authentically in that my experience of all this is really novice, right? And I like that because I get to ask, I think, questions that many people have in their mind. 
And so sure. in the video, it was the triangle UFO. Yes, I just saw that today. Yeah. So in this, though, what I saw in that, because in the center of it, it looks like there's a light sort of rotating. And so to me, my first thought was, in today's world, that looks like any other drone. So how do you cut through uh, those kinds of people that are, you know, throwing drones up and taking videos versus making legit videos because this one maybe goes this way, maybe goes that way. I don't draw a conclusion on it. But my first thought was because I could actually see so many lights moving on it, it looked like it was just a drone. But uh, like a, like a, a, yep. a, a hobby drone, not like a big yes. fancy uh, military thing. So, but how do you, you cut actually that, hear Dave? the fan blades hard. on that one? You could hear the fan blades on that one too. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, here's the big here's the big conundrum in the UFO world and even the cryptid world when it comes to you know creatures like Sasquatch. And I was I've been talking to a lot of investigators recently about this who are basically saying that CGI and hoaxing on videos sites like YouTube or Facebook or whatever have literally killed uh, any type of video content. For research, so the average person now who captures a UFO or captures a Bigfoot walking across, you know, some logging road when they happen to be going to their favorite lake to go fishing or something like that, the chances of that video actually helping the cause to prove anything is slim to none. Now, there's been way too much hoaxing. There's been like even the video you're talking about has already by a number of UFO researchers been confirmed as a hoax. And it's unfortunate because it was an amazing video, but every black triangle that has ever been reported doesn't have sound. Right. At least as far as I know. And if you listen to that video, you can hear the whirring sound almost like of uh, propeller type blades or drone type blades. So that's where it gets a little bit eerie. And with the technology that is happening with drones these days, when it comes to UFOs, a good friend of mine, Rich Giordano, who runs a great YouTube channel called Goofon, and, and he is saying, and him and I have talked about it as well as other researchers, that the days of, of, of eyewitness testimony to UFOs using video cameras on your cell phones or, or maybe you have a GoPro, it's done, unfortunately. It, it, the, the hoaxing crowd uh, looking for the five minutes of fame, a lot of clickbait, and a million hits so they can make some money off of viewing sites like, like YouTube have absolutely ruined that type of information. And it's too bad because there's a lot of good people out there who are capturing some very strange objects. And unfortunately, they may have the next great video and nobody is going to believe them because, unfortunately, nobody is buying videos anymore. Well, you bring up a really good point. So deep fakes have become better and better to the point where not even real people, like not even real faces, computer-generated people have been created, right? And um, mm-hmm. so with deep fakes, though, and some of these face swap apps and these things that are out there, there's not much yeah. really stopping people from deep faking alien faces and, and all of this stuff. That, that's probably next, isn't it? Absolutely, that's next. And if we're not seeing it already, right? 
I mean, look, the days of, of people, you know, grabbing a, a gorilla costume and acting like a bunch of idiots in the forest, uh, you know, those are easy to tell. But the way CGI has improved, especially over the last decade, there's a lot that we cannot tell anymore. Add to the fact that most researchers, or even amateur researchers, they blow up and pixelate the photos so poorly that you can't even tell. And they're like, see, don't you, don't you see the ears of that dog man? Or don't you see the, the wingtips of that UFO? No, all I see is a bunch of pixelated squares. <laughs> you know, like, stop. Give me the original photo. That's, that's the big thing right now with every investigator. So for your listeners out there, who captures something anomalous, whether it's a ghost photo or, or a Bigfoot or something, a UFO, don't doctor the photo. Don't, don't colorize it to try and figure out or lighten the photo. Just send the original to a good investigator. If you're not sure who, who a good investigator is, you can always get a hold of me on social media, and we'll point you in that right direction because we love to help people out that way and make sure that they aren't getting information sent to a bunch of shysters who are, who are playing investigator rather than, you know, real investigators who do this for a living. All right? That's what we want to do. That's what we want to accomplish. If, if I understand the conversation that you had with Jason, um, was that um, the is there a piece of the U.S. election that you were hoping was going to expose some of this UFO conversation? And oh, good now, question. of course, good the question. train wreck that is uh, happening in Washington D.C. right now is is definitely taking away any other topics. Uh, but is that one of them that you were hoping yeah. to see? Well, there was a lot of speculation, much like 2016, that there was going to be ufos as a hot button ballot issue okay especially with the confirmation from the united states navy over the last year that they have been entangled with ufos or unidentified aerial phenomena uaps during training sessions and in other areas so much so that florida senator marco rubio and we've talked about this on the show so I'm not going to go into full depth of it, but he leads the Intelligence Committee, and he wants funding for UFO, UAP research to make sure that America's skies are safe and NORAD skies are safe. However, leading up to this, all of a sudden, all of the COVID attacks around the White House with President Trump and the First Lady and everybody throughout the White House and this becoming another major, major COVID attack around the United States, along with what is happening politically on a racial level, there's just no way the UFO talk, in my opinion, can even come up. I don't even think the subject will be broached anymore, even though it should, because they are about to potentially spend millions of dollars of taxpayer money looking into UFOs to see whether or not they are a threat to our North American, and especially in their case, American airspace. And how many people in the U.S. would want their taxpayers' money going to research that? Now, when we say UFO, we got to realize we're not just talking aliens here. We're talking maybe technology from another superpower like China or Russia that the United States may not have. It may even be their own technology that they're not even telling the people. But we don't know. 
I actually, if I could say one more thing, if anybody's interested in that, if you go to my website, spacedoutradio.com, I actually have a blog on that that I wrote recently on why I believe that the UFO topic, unlike 2016, will be dead. Because if you go back to 2016, John Podesta, who was Hillary Clinton's campaign manager, he was egging on the media publicly on Twitter and on camera to ask her about UFOs. And finally they did. And she said she would try to disclose them. Because her, she and uh, Bill there apparently have a real interest in UFOs. But that didn't obviously pan out. And I don't think UFO topics are going to pan out this presidential election either. You know what I would like to see? I would love it to see Donald Trump and Joe Biden trying to explain UFO research on a stage. That itself would be so entertaining. Uh, it would be uh, it'd be worth the price of the ticket. Absolutely. You got um, that spe- right. You, right? You Spaced out right. radio. Uh, Dave Scott, thank you, sir, for being here with us on The Shift. I appreciate it. Always appreciate your time, my friend. Thank you so much for having us once again. This is The Shift Daily Podcast. Eddie Van Halen passes away 65, way too young. My goodness. Although he was sick for a long time. Uh, rock stars and celebrities... Fans around the world mourning the loss of guitar rock legend Eddie Van Halen. Global BC Squire Barnes spoke with Canadian rock legend Paul Dean of Loverboy about Eddie Van Halen's life, career, and influence. Any list of great rock guitarists of all time has Eddie Van Halen near the top of it. Even fellow professionals like Loverboy's Paul Dean marvel at his skill. He had the groove, man. He, he and the sound and the technique. He's the first guy, I'm, I'm, I don't know that he was the first guy to do it, but he was the first guy that I ever saw do the tap thing. I think the first time I met Eddie was at a party at Scott Smith's place. And, you know, it's a typical rock and roll party. Everybody's sitting around getting gassed and and busting each other's whatever you bust. And and Eddie, the whole time he's playing his guitar. And I'm going, God, this guy, I mean, talk about dedication. Eddie Van Halen was from a musical family. His father was a musician. His brother, Alex, was Van Halen's drummer. Even his son, Wolfgang, played bass for Van Halen in later years. Eddie was trained as a pianist, but he was also learning the drums while his brother was learning the guitar when they decided they should switch instruments. Uh, Alex was playing my drums, and he got better than me, so I said, take my damn drums, I'll play your guitar. Awesome. Worked out for the best. Despite having dynamic front men like Sammy Hagar and David Lee Roth in front of Van Halen, it was Eddie and his fretboard acrobatics who was the real focal point of anyone going to one of their shows. You just couldn't take your eyes off of him. The greatest thing about his stage presence was he was always smiling. I could never, I couldn't believe that. Was it a natural thing? Was it something his dad taught him to do? You're, you're going to be an entertainer, you got to smile. But he would always smile, he's always smiling, having the time of his life. And I, and that comes, comes across. I think that's one of the reasons he's so uh, popular. 877-399-9898. Your calls, your text messages, your memories about Van Halen music. Ryan in Port Alberni. My favorite Eddie Van Halen memory is playing street hockey in the mid-80s with Van Halen blasting on my ghetto blaster. 
I love it. Hot for Teacher is my favorite Van Halen song when I was in high school because I had a crush on my drama teacher. <laughs> <laughs> I got my pencil. <laughs> Rick is Rick is ready. Give us something to write on. Um, let's see, can we get a little little snippet of Hot for Teacher there, Matt? That's one of my favorites. Um, so it was the um, a couple of t- tidbits on Hot for Teacher because it's one of my favorites. So it's one of the ones that I looked up here. Uh, it is the last single and music video released before David Lee Roth left. Um, it peaked at number fifty-six, but it's become more popular after it was on the charts and on the radio than it ever was when it was on the radio. Now, we've talked about the Flying V guitar before with Matt because he is a a guitar fan. Eddie used a uh, 1958 Gibson Flying V to record the 1984 album. I don't know if that's good. I'm assuming it is. Oh, well, I mean, a Flying V is, uh, you know, it's an awesome guitar, but um, which is very curious because when you when I think of Van Halen, Eddie Van Halen, I think of the guitar that he referred to as his Frankenstrat. Um, so it was modeled after like a Fender Stratocaster guitar, which is like a kind of a, your basic, you know, nice streamlined model guitar. Not necessarily the Veloster of guitars, but, you know, a, a very sweet, more like the mm-hmm. Toyota Corolla of guitars. Okay. Um, anyways, he built um, his own, like out of various parts and you know electronics soldered it all together it looked like a mess like it looked there was like just big gaping holes in it and just wires sticking out everywhere but it worked and it just brought this insane sound it brought the sound that he heard in his head obviously because it totally translated Hmm. uh hot for teacher is um has been uh growing and growing in popularity because glee covered it in 2011 which is a, a brand new audience that was uh, brought to as well. It was also in South Park's uh, episode Ginger Cow in 2013. So, I mean, the song has survived and transcended. An Oakland University student was suspended after writing an essay titled Hot for Teacher. Then he sued the school for $2.2 million after that. So the song paid dividends elsewhere. Um, so by the very beginning of that song, though, there's the kick drum. And the information that I've found about the song facts here is to, in order to get that layered effect, he actually would strung together four different kick drums. Now for most of the song, he uses two, um, but it's double bass drumming over and over again. It's four, he says. It's pretty cool. I, I, and frankly, I didn't even know how they did that until we, until I got to this, this article today. Well, it creates quite the percussive effect. Yeah, I mean, and so many people have, have heard it so many different ways, right? Like, is it a motorbike? Is it, you know, like a rumbling Harley? Is it, you know, people hear it and how it connects to them, which is one of the coolest things about that. Now, the video for Hot for Teacher, that was something. <laughs> it certainly was. Um, so there are actually two teachers in Hot for Teacher. It's not one teacher. There's two different teachers play the Hot Teacher. Uh, One is quoted as Donna Rupert. She was the first runner-up in the 1981 Miss Canada pageant. And the second is Norwegian model Lillian Muller. 
Now there is a gossip myth conspiracy theory that there was a very popular uh, woman who played one played the teacher, even though there's two. And Matt, do you know uh, you know who that is? Yeah, and it speaks to sort of the whole power of the rumor or the you know just the gossip. But and I don't even remember where I heard it, but for some reason, I had in my mind that it was Mrs. Wayne Gretzky Mm -hmm. as one of the teachers. Uh, Many websites list uh, Janet Jones Gretzky as playing the teacher. It's untrue. Uh, This is a Van Halen fan website, by the way, Um, and says uh, there were two models who were actually the teachers. So you weren't hot for teacher. You were actually hot for teachers. Just to be clear, one of my absolute favorites. Um, Musicians and celebrities shared their thoughts and condolences for the legendary guitarist who died at 65. This is ABC News report tribute to late Van Halen. Funny tonight here, we celebrate a master at the guitar rock legend, his son, revealing the news today. Eddie Van Halen was a master at the guitar. His group Van Halen was one of the most popular rock bands of all time. There was Jump, their biggest hit. His technique influencing so many others. Playing some of the most distinctive guitar riffs in history. This is Eddie playing in Michael Jackson's Beat It. He could play most any instrument, but he could not read music. Tonight, his son Wolf, who played on tour with Van Halen, remembering his father, sharing this image, saying his father lost his long and arduous battle with cancer this morning, adding, he was the best father I could ever ask for. Every moment I've shared with him on and off stage was a gift. My heart is broken, and I don't think I'll ever fully recover from this loss. I love you so much, Pop. The music sure takes you back. We're thinking about his family tonight. So many of us are fans. I'm David Muir. I hope to see you right back here tomorrow night. Good night. I'm Shane Hewitt on The Shift. Eddie Van Halen passing away. Your text messages at 877-399-9898. Calls are welcome, too, if you want to chime in here. Uh, Eddie Van Halen was of elite skill level, and he made it look so smooth and so easy. I think it would be a good time to do our Rocktober riff now, Matt MacArthur. Oh, uh, yeah. Rocktober. All right, Rocktober is just that simple. It's uh, Matt MacArthur riffing and ripping it up live on the radio on his guitar. And not only that, if you can guess the song at 877-399-9898, you are a winner. Yeah, you just win. You You get the joy of being a winner. Get the joy of being a winner. I would like to describe what just happened. Matt was getting himself set up there to uh, riff on the guitar and folded himself in half so he could comment because the guitar's down by the microphone. Well done. All right, Matt, let's get your Rocktober riff. October. Happy Rocktober. 877-399-9898. Matt MacArthur right there. Rip it up. Well done, Matty. Thank you. Thank you. 
I love it. It's for, it's um, for, Betty, it's for Eddie, man. It's for Eddie. Yep. Smiling down. What is the song? If you get it right, you're right. <laughs> and if you get it wrong, you're not right. But feel free to text it in. All right. So I work security. Texture says at a Van Halen concert in 2015, and they closed with Jump. What made this stand out was I could never remember who did that song until that point. And I have I've always remembered since then. And that's neat, too. That's that's like I hear that as not being a Van Halen fan, but the impact of seeing them live and how good they were live. Uh, we went together to a concert. My son was 11, learning to shred guitar. And when Eddie began, eru- began playing Eruption, he said, Daddy, Daddy, he's playing the stuff I'm learning. A tear in my eye. Proud dad moment. Um, Matt, you had made some comments about Van Halen, about being amazing and uh, being grateful for Van Halen t- today as we were on the shift with our Good News uh, Tuesday show. Um, perfectly said, Maddie. I took my son to see uh, Van Halen cover band. He loved it. They were good, but I could hear the things only Eddie could do. That would be a, uh, that would be a big, there's a lot of guitar, you know, cover bands that you can cover, but there's some of them that are just, you just can't get the magic. Yeah. Well, and I was thinking about this because, you know, Eddie's guitar style was very much like an individual um, sound and it ended up inspiring a, a lot of the sort of what you would call the hair metal of the 80s you know like poison trickster warrant like that sort of you know those those kind of bands yeah the big hairspray like they they took the van halen template of the party rock you know with the long blonde lead singer the tight pants you know split kicks the shredding you know the double kick drums and all that stuff but they couldn't copy the the particular kind of soul or the sound that Eddie had, the particular sort of genius that mm-hmm. he was throwing down. It was like a flow, right? Like he really got into this sort of flow where he just kind of did it and it just sort of poured out of him. And I don't think that's something you can replicate no matter how much you practice. If you're an impersonator or anything like that, I think that's that's incredibly difficult. All right, more text messages, uh, more uh, calls for you at 877-399-9898. Van Halen was the first album I bought when I moved to Canada from England. I played it at home and I taped it so I could listen to it in the car when we went camping. 20 years later, my kids found the tape and played it incessantly. They couldn't believe I've ever been cool enough to love Van Halen. Another generation of fans was created. I still have that original album in my collection, Cat and Gimli. Uh, Not only do you have that album in your collection, uh, Cat, it sounds like 20 years later, you're still driving a car with a cassette, which I admire. Thanks for listening to the podcast. Tune into the show online or on the radio.